Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. We believe all women lawyers deserve to be wealthy women lawyers. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm so excited for you to meet our guest today. So let's get started. Hello, I'm Davina Frederick, and I'd like to welcome you to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. If you've been a fan for a while now, thank you. We so appreciate you. If you are new to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. The Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast is sponsored by Wealthy Woman Lawyer, a company that helps women law firm owners scale their law firm business to and through a million dollars in gross annual revenue with total ease so you can fully fund and still have time to enjoy the lifestyle of your dreams. If that sounds like something you'd like to do, then come hang out with us in our Facebook community, Wealthy Woman Lawyer, or follow us on Instagram at Wealthy Woman Lawyer. You also can connect with me on LinkedIn or visit our website at www.wealthywomanlawyer.com. Today, I wanted to share with you a short story. So recently, I hired a vendor to handle a, a design project for me, and she came highly recommended from a trusted source. Right from the start, she had very clear process and rules for working with her. And one of those rules was not to make changes in her design myself while she was working on the design online on the website. And I agree that that was a smart rule because changes can be lost if we were working on top of each other. So after a few days, she sent me the project for my approval. She also sent an email telling me she was not able to upload videos and asked me if we could do it, if my team and I could do it. So we did, and it was not the only revision that needed to be made, but it was the only quote unquote change that we made on the site. Otherwise I just gave her feedback. And so we did this based on her request of uploading videos. But since she only had two placeholders for videos, we needed to upload four videos. It affected her design. And I just had to put them somewhere on the page and then with the full expectation that she would design them, design around them and get them into the place that they needed. In my mind, this was a really easy fix um, and shouldn't take her too long to do. So I was expecting her to say thank you. And instead, I received a really scoldy email from her reemphasizing her rule about not working on the project while she was. I was pretty incredulous because, number one, she asked me to upload the data. And number two, she was not working on the site at the time because she was waiting for my feedback and approval. So there was no danger of me working on top of her and sort of losing any of her changes. Now, if you know me well, (laughs) uh, you know that I do not like to be scolded. Quite frankly, I don't know anyone who does. Uh, But I especially do not like to be scolded when I have paid someone thousands of dollars to handle a project for me. So I I didn't take it very well, but, you know, we we worked through it and moved on and we were able to get the project completed without too much incident. Uh, But this got me really thinking about how companies use their processes and procedures of policy, not as a means to create a better client experience, but as barriers to relationships with between the service provider and their clients. 
As you know, I am a huge advocate of creating and implementing systems in your law firm business. In fact, I think if you do not have good systems, your clients will immediately lose confidence in you, your team, and your law firm. Systems tell us that you know exactly what you're doing, that you have got got a handle on this, right? So it it immediately elevates a client's confidence if you have good systems because they just can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that somebody else has got this. It really positions you as an experienced expert. We've done this before. We've done this so many times that we actually have a system around it. But sometimes we can take that too far. And here's what I mean. Have you ever had an experience with a company where one or more of their employees has told you, we can't help you because it's against company policy? So how did that make you feel? Did it make you feel frustrated? Did it make you feel angry? Usually that's what happens when you're being stonewalled by a company and they use the excuse of their policy to not be able to solve your problem. This response is why so many people go postal on large companies. In many cases, employees just aren't empowered to solve a problem. So their hands are tied by policies and procedures to which they must adhere. And in some cases, policies, procedures, uh, processes, all of that is great and it's necessary. It, uh, so don't, don't misunderstand me. A lot, of, a lot of these things are necessary. However, just as it is with the law, you remember how we learned in law school that for every rule, there are exceptions, and oftentimes there are exceptions to exceptions. Having the ability to recognize those exceptions and make other choices can make a huge difference in the client experience. This got me thinking about how, uh, why it is that so many small business owners today that I've encountered, that I've been dealing with, are so inflexible around their policies and their procedures. And here are some of the reasons I think that may be. I'm sure there are many more, but here are some that occurred to me. One is that perhaps they see everyone talking about policies, procedures, and processes and systems, and they think this is the be-all, end-all of running a smart business. Okay, so no exceptions ever. Or maybe it's because they invested a lot of time and effort into setting up systems, so now there's no flexibility. We must follow the rules precisely, no exceptions. Perhaps they're just rule followers and it never occurred to them that there is another way. I know there are a lot, I'm a a rule follower person. Um, I know this is a certain, certain ones of us have this sort of personality. If we know the rules, we can follow the rules. And if we don't know the rules, you know, that's a problem. So maybe it's that. Maybe they fear they'll be perceived as a bad business person if they make exceptions. So I've drawn these boundaries and set these policies and set up the systems. And if I go back on something, then somebody's going to take advantage and I'm going to be a bad business person. Or maybe they just prefer to hide behind the keyboard to avoid uncomfortable conversations. And so, you know, we can just blame it on my system, right? I think the biggest thing, though, is that solo and small business owners these days often focus on their own comfort and not the experience their client is having. In the in the case um, that I the story I told you at the beginning, I do believe that the vendor that I hired um, 
is very introverted. She's very process oriented. And, and so for her, this was all about her comfort and she wasn't really considering what the reaction to be would be of someone who receives a scolding email from her. So I get it. I mean, I'd love to just think about me and my needs. I really would. Uh, and I know with that, like, we just want to build the business around ourselves and our needs. But the reality of business is, is that there's got to be a balance. You definitely have to have boundaries for yourself, but you also need to consider the experience your clients are having because your clients are the ones who pay you and actually make your business dream possible. So we can certainly do that. We can certainly just focus on, on our own needs only. But when we do, we're setting our businesses up to be transactional in nature and not built on enduring relationships with our ideal clients, relationships that could be you and yours for years to come. So <clears throat> in, in the example that I gave you, I'm less inclined now to hire this person again. So she just had a got paid to do one thing and it was a very transactional experience, but because of the way it made me feel, I'm likely to go seek out other people who can do what she does. And there are many, many of them and look for somebody who's more relationship oriented, somebody who's more likely to uh, want to keep a relationship with me over the long term. And they, as a result, are likely to make a lot more money than what she made. So to give you an example, my clients are busy women law firm owners, as, as all of you know. Many times, they will have scheduled meetings with me on my calendar, only to have to cancel them the day before, even the day of sometimes. Now, my private coaching process lays out a very specific schedule for them. However, if I were not able to be flexible and unbothered when a client cancels that last minute, because perhaps they got caught up in court or in traffic or dealing with emergency at home, or maybe they just weren't in the right mental space that day, how long do I think I would keep those relationships? Now, I understand they're canceling um, and we, we conduct our meetings over Zoom. So it's not like I get in the car and drive someplace and then somebody cancels because I can understand if people did that, I'd have to come up with a new process because that would not work for me. But it does work for me um, because if they cancel, then I just move on to something else. I don't get upset about it, right? <clears throat> so they might they might adhere to my requirements. If I required this, they might adhere to my requirements for the term of the contract. But rest assured, as soon as that contract was up, they would never renew. Many of my clients renew year after year. And part of the reason why is because I prioritize the relationship over one particular transaction, one particular um, moment in time. It is more important to me that my clients feel supported and accepted than it is to enforce that particular policy. Other policies and procedures are necessary for their success. So I'm not suggesting that we throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. Bath there are deal breakers to be sure. Let's think about it in terms of etiquette though. If you're familiar with um, Emily Post and the rules of etiquette, you know that there are societal rules governing proper behavior in certain settings. So uh, obviously in this, in 2022, we don't have the same types of social rules and etiquette behaviors as we used to have. 
uh, you know, in our society, they've changed. And we also have rules of etiquette that never would have even um, entered anybody's mind a decade or so ago, for instance, all the etiquette around social media. But for example, if, if you're going to attend a formal dinner with people you'd like to impress, you might want to brush up on your table manners. You want to know proper etiquette for a formal dinner. The purpose of etiquette is not to make anyone who does not know proper etiquette feel excluded, though. The purpose of etiquette, in a, and, and we're going to paraphrase the words of etiquette expert Emily Post, I mentioned, is to make others feel comfortable in our presence. For instance, a person with good manners would never point out to another um, that they picked up the wrong fork at dinner. Only people with poor etiquette shame or scold others who don't know any better. So it's the same for you and your clients. The purpose of your assistance is to ensure the client has a good experience in working with you, your team, and your law firm. Of course, systems have many other benefits too. Systems can help minimize human error. They can prevent miscommunications. They can provide a level of consistency and reliability. They can keep us from getting grieved by the bar or sued for malpractice. There's a whole lot that systems can, can help us accomplish. Certainly, they improve the experience for everyone involved in our business, including you and your team, or at least they should. Occasionally, there will be a moment when a client doesn't fit into your process or your system, and you certainly can bounce them out of your business and your life if that's the case, and in some cases, you should. So, for example, if a client is harassing one of your employees or they are lying to you or they refuse to pay the bill no matter what solutions you offer. Those are all good reasons to bounce that client and just say, you know what, this isn't a good fit. However, if we wanna prioritize relationships over transactions so that you're creating clients for a lifetime instead of a moment in time, then sometimes the wiser choice is to offer up some grace. Everyone, you and me included, require all of us require a little bit of flexibility now and then. It's okay to allow others to be imperfectly human and for you to be imperfectly human as well. Before I go today, I just want to leave you with one last little story. A few years ago, around the new year, I made myself a promise that this year, I would not shy away from hard conversations and that I would have faith that a little direct communication could go a long way. I did this because I was, uh, I had some boundaries that were a little too permeable, and I wanted to get better at sort of drawing boundaries for myself to make sure I was protecting my own needs. Instead of just, but instead of just discarding relationships with people who made me uncomfortable because they disagree with me on some point or another, or they confronted me on an issue, or I felt like they were pushing boundaries. I committed to have hard conversations, to put in the work to try and understand. I also really honored my boundaries. Those are important too. And I made room for um, acknowledging that maybe if I had a conversation with someone that we could get past our issue and work 
on our relationship and have a longer term relationship. And it is amazing. Every time I applied this technique, the outcome turned out even better than I expected. Because I think at the heart of it, we need to remember, remember that we are working with people. And if we can cut through all the noise of the processes and the all of, all of the clutter going on in the world, all the information clutter, and just have conversations with one another, sometimes we really can come out on the other side much better for it. Now, I know that there, there are certain things that are deal breakers. So if you are somebody who struggles with boundaries and you're trying to set some boundaries for yourself and uh, you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my goodness, now I need to go back on my boundaries. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is, is that we need to look more holistically at the situation and don't be afraid to have a conversation with somebody because the worst that can happen is, you know, you may in the relationship anyway, or, you, you know, somebody might get hurt feelings, but you're also going to grow out of the experience of having a conversation. You might learn something about yourself. You might learn something about the other person. Um, you can have them both though. You can have boundaries and you also can be open to hearing another person's viewpoint and maybe growing from that experience. You might be amazed at the benefits. So that's it for today's episode. I would like to know if you would like to know more about how to set up systems that not only support you and your team, but your client as well, then check out my new training. It's called Seven Essential Systems. Every law firm needs to scale to seven figures plus three mistakes to avoid. The registration link is in the show notes. I thank you all for being here today. If you enjoyed this podcast, as always, I invite you to please share it with other women law firm owners. That's a super easy thing to do right from the app. You can just click on share episode or you can share the whole podcast. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple, please leave us a review and recommendation. We so appreciate every one of them. And we know it helps us to rank higher on the app so more people can um, get exposed to the podcast and maybe find some little gold nuggets here that will help them in scaling their law firm businesses. Thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast. If you have, we invite you to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. The more five-star reviews we have, the more women law firm owners will be able to positively impact. Your thoughts and opinions are so important to us. If you are a woman law firm owner who wants to scale your law firm to a million dollars or more in gross annual revenue and do it in a way that's sustainable and feels good to you, then we invite you to join us in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. The League is a community of highly intelligent, goal-oriented, and driven women law firm owners who are excited to support one another on their journeys to becoming wealthy women lawyers. We'll be sharing so much in the league in the coming year, including the exclusive million dollar law firm framework that until now, I've only shared with my private one-to-one clients. For more information and to join us, go now to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash league. That's www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash league. League is spelled L-E-A-G-U-E. 
We look forward to seeing you soon in the league.